Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective on the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, of course, I got my guy. He is the creator and host of the Raw Sex Podcast, Cousin Damo, a.k.a. Dominique Marks. Make sure y'all check out Raw Sex and following them on social media. Make sure you also are checking them out as well every Friday for that new episode dropping every single Friday. He got something hot for you every single Friday. And of course, go ahead and check out his Manscaped promotion and uh, you can get a good 20% off using this promo code of Raw Sex Podcast. Go ahead and check that out. He's promoting it on his last couple of episodes. Hey, go ahead, help my man out. He's doing some big things out here in the street. I want to thank all the listeners around the world, worldwide, all across the world, stateside, worldwide, for continuing to support the show, of course, on all of our platforms, including YouTube. YouTube episodes going live a week after we post on audio platforms, so please make sure y'all are checking that out, too. As we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics are MBTC and Damo. Well, we're going back 25 years today. Mm. And we're going to go back to June 18th, 1996, to the second studio album from a homegirl, being a homegirl from the state of Maryland, Tony Braxton and her second studio album, Secrets, released on LaFace and Arista Records. Her second album after her debut smash album, self-titled Tony Braxton, which came out in 1993, that of course followed her appearance on the Boomerang soundtrack with Love Should Have Brought You Home Last Night, mm. which became uh, her introduction into the industry as a solo artist. This was her second album on the Face Records and uh, really kind of looked to build on the success that she had before. After her first album, she won the Grammy Award for Best New Artist at the Grammy Awards in 1994. And so she was looking to take that next step out there. Some particulars about Secrets, released, of course, on June 18th, 1996, recorded between January of 95 and May of 96, recorded at a number of different studios, including uh, Lococo in Bosstown in Atlanta, the record plant in Hollywood, California, the track and place in Beverly Hills, California, and Ocean Way in Hollywood, California. Runtime of 54 minutes and 54 seconds. Producers on this, of course... L.A. Reid and Babyface. Babyface, of Mm. course, writing a number of different songs on here and producing a number of different songs on here. They were longtime collaborators, Babyface and Tony. Also, producers on here, Keith Crouch, David Foster, and Robert. (laughs) Yes, that Robert (laughs) was a producer on this as well. Tony Rich and Soul Shock and Carlin, and then also Bryce Wilson. Uh, of Groove Theory was a producer. Other contributors on this album uh, that on here, as far as vocals are concerned, uh, the all the aforementioned people other than L.A. Reid all provided background vocals. But surprisingly enough, there were background vocals with some pretty notable singers from uh, Tony Rich, from Mark Nelson, from Shanice, from Shantae Moore, 
all provided background vocals on this album. Pretty incredible when you think about it, Damo, that those are all people who were established themselves and had big music careers, and they also did background vocals on an album such like this. But we're going to go back to secrets, Damo. This is uh, something we all know Tony well. I mean, like, you know, she actually moved not too far away right from where her and her sisters and family came from. She was uh, from Severn, Maryland, had been in the game for quite some time. Um, we all know her story about her and her the, the famous Braxton family sisters and um, mm-hmm. all their music careers. Uh, you know, we came up in an era when she was really, really big. And she was the shit. She was the shit. She was. Yeah, she was the shit. <laughs> she was the shit. When you talk about like the biggest singers of the '90s, like she definitely to me. When you talk about as far as careers, everything. When you it talk would about be it, yeah. probably Mariah, mm-hmm. Mary J, and then her, and then Tony. And however you want to flop it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. those top, those was the top three for real. Yeah, those three. The debut album was big. All the great hits you talk about that came from that album that established her career. And then this album comes along in 96 and really kind of, I think, kind of set a tone for her. So I'll go ahead and I'll go back and just sort of ask you and talk to you about your recollections of this album when it came out. And then as things have sort of progressed, what you've thought about it since that time, as now it gets ready to turn 25 years old. Oh, 96. Mm. 13. And you know, if y'all have a listener of... Uh, the vote, y'all always hear me say that R&B I could been listening to for forever, so it wasn't no restrictions on listening to R&B, so mm-hmm. I can give y'all a little bit more of me listening to this right off the rip. Man, I, I'm middle school, and yeah, my mother used to crank this album as well, mm. So, but it was on a low one of my jobs. I was like, oh, hold on. Of course, you know, us, me being a 13-year-old boy, one reason we love Tony, cause Tony was bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, hey. yeah. Hey, we might say that they had she was the top three singers, but bad. She might have been Nia Long and her. Yeah, yeah. Nah, she definitely her and Nia definitely helped popularize that short haircut that joint started rocking like uh, in the early nineties, uh, man. And you know, not every every woman could rock that short haircut and still be sexy, but she was, ooh, my God. <laughs> but then when she came with this joint, with this joint with the long, I said, hold on, Tony hair. got long hair. Yeah. Hold on now, Tony. Yeah. Hold on. I might have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Why are you in the bathroom so long? Hold on. Unbreak my heart. Tell me you love me again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Tony. Yeah. But. You know, of course, you know, you got the, the radio smashes that they, they came with her with. And, you know, I love me some him. And, you know, you can't really say as being me, I love me some him. So you'd be saying I love me some her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but this show, yeah, you know, she didn't disappoint in this album to me. You know what I'm saying? It still gave you that. LaFace sound. Yeah. That they always, that you, they was known for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Let me um going back to this and to sort of segue from the whole hair thing. You know, a joint bad when she can rock both the short hair and the long hair, and she still be like, mm. like you know, some joints could do the mm-hmm. short, and they might not look good with long hair. Some might look good with long, but the short hair may not look all that great. Nah, she was great both ways. <laughs> it just, just mm-hmm. showed you the truth, though. But to go back to this album back in, in that voice, though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll tell a little story about that, too, because I actually met her, like, I think, like, in 2000, 2001, because I, I went to a show and had somebody who had some backstage access, and she met, she was meeting fans and stuff, and I was just like, you expect to be able to see her, and she's, like, five foot one. She's, like, five feet. She's not even that big. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just like... I might would have fanned yeah. out, man. Yeah. I oh, might would have fanned out. I, I sat there. I didn't say anything. I just nodded my head and said, hello. And that was it, because I was literally, when you get and you see somebody on television and you see them in person, like, you see, like, these stories about some people, they don't look good on TV, and then when you see them in person, they don't look all that great. Nah, Joe, she, she lives up to the hype. <laughs> so, mm. but, but when this joint came out in 96, so this is, like, when these first singles are starting to come out, it's starting to head into the summer of 96. So we're getting into the end of my eighth grade year, heading into that summer before I head to high school, the first singles start to come out and it's just like, you know, that first one, which is you're making me high came out with that, that mm-hmm. video, you know, her with the long hair, with that white bodysuit, And it was just like, but then the song was a great song. It was just like, it had that really sort of like a, a hip hop feel to it. But uh, that was a collaboration between Babyface and Bryce Wilson and her and Bryce Wilson actually were item for a quick little second. He was in that video and you're making me high. But then you start getting into the albums, have my sisters who bought this album and uh, listening to it. And then the other singles start coming out. I mean, I can remember during that time because I used to listen to the radio. Unbreak My Heart was an unbelievably huge hit. Mm-hmm. It was a huge yeah. hit. And so smash. smash hit. I mean, and so it's even a song to this day when it comes on. It's just like you can like understand just how powerful a song it is. And we'll get to that when we talk about the review. But you start to get into some of the other singles. This was something that I think that when it set her up perfectly to be released right during this time in the summertime, I always kind of say that it's interesting when record labels decide to release albums at this particular time of the year, because if you could smash through the summertime, you set up, you know what I'm saying? You could take that and ride that all the way into the fall and set yourself up nicely to have a perfect year. She rocked throughout this entire summer. It was a little bit different than what we got from the debut album. Right. And so what I like to say is I think that her debut album made her a big hit, as far as urban music, R&B was concerned, like that made her a smash. Whenever we listened to her on WPGC 93.9 and because from us, because she was from Maryland, it was a big deal to us because we were supporting our own. She was a big hit, like in the black urban music community. This album, I think, took her and crossed her over pop into star. pop into pop star. And I think if she was a superstar by the time she finished her first and debut album, she was an icon by the time she finished this album because she had then crossed over into the pop charts. She was starting to get into that sort of like that stratosphere where only like Whitney and Celine Dion and where, you know, singers like that had sort of been and, you know, were going to it at a certain point in time. She had gotten into that stratosphere. So that's really my recollections with that. You're Making Me High was a huge, huge summer hit. That video was a huge, huge hit. I remember that was like the last like full year that Video Soul was on full time and that would be the big thing in my household was on Friday nights watching Video Soul the Top 20 Countdown and that was like the number one video for like three weeks in a row. <laughs> you know? It was it was a crazy, crazy big hit. So, and it's just the feeling about the album as well. Like, you know, you said about her voice. I mean, she has one of the more unique singing voices all like just like she said like 
being inspired by someone like Anita Baker and sort of getting those same type of vibes from somebody, you know, like Anita Baker that you got with Tony and that really unique sort of feeling that you get when you hear someone with that type of voice is just priceless, man. Absolutely priceless. So, so now we're going to get into your highlights. So Damo, tell me what your highlights are. 12 tracks on here. Runtime of about 55 minutes, man. So just let me know what your highlights and if you have any lowlights as well. Um, of course, you know, you making me high, unbreak my heart, I love me some him, let it flow, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Those, those are, of course, all yeah. the highlights, but the sneak highlight for me is the jump with Kenny G. Mm. How could an angel break my heart? My heart, yeah, yeah. And then you hear Kenny G hitting it hitting that saxophone in yeah. the back yeah and you know and my mother was a big kenny g fan yeah. so yeah. <laughs> i knew right off the rip when i heard it i was like hold on is that kenny g yeah exactly. and i went to go grab the cd cd cover looked at the back i was like oh shit kenny g on this show yeah oh. you know. yeah and then she was giving it up on it that's like my me thinking about it now that's like my surprise track like it, it wasn't mm-hmm. something that i accept I like I knew it was Kenny G, but now listening to her sing the song even more, mm-hmm. going through heartbreak, growing up, you know, in this age and time, you didn't really understand that yeah. uh, what she was talking about until you experience it. And now you hear that song like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I get you, Tony. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, it, but um, yeah. I, I would say the low. I can't even say low. It's just. Number one, the first song is like a throw off. Like, mm, true. If if it wasn't to where they came with the heat, were well, you making me <laughs> you making me high? Ain't that ain't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you first job, I'm like, well, yeah, what in the world? Mm. First, I was like, hold on, the B picked the right album. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> this, and then I said, oh okay, all right, let me make sure now. I say, mm-hmm. oh, I say, all right, now they get into the shits. All right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's my that's my low. Like right that part, you start the album over that that first song. I'm like, mm, yeah. It was I don't little, know yeah. if I didn't know the rest of the hits that was on here. I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna listen to the rest of this album. Yeah. But then you go right into it. Yeah. Exactly. I think. That one in particular is sort of an interesting way to begin this album because that, by the way, produced by Tony Rich and written by Tony Rich, Mark Nelson, and produced by as well as L.A. Reid, is sort of an interesting way to sort of start this album. As a matter of fact, in my recollections, I don't really remember this track being on the album itself. I mean, I think that's how much of a lowlight it was, is that I completely forgot about it. I remember most of these other tracks, but this one, I was just like, what's this? Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about this. Well, I but, really did. but the thing, the, the thing about it, you, it's the, it's the LaFay sound. Yeah, you know it what is. I'm saying. Yeah, which is very distinctual. Everybody who back in the time when L.A. Reed and Babyface was doing their thing with that record joint, you already knew they sound, especially when they mm-hmm. got to these R&B joints like this. Yeah, yeah. But it had to be some. You know, some little, uh, you do this track right here and you do this track for me for something else or yeah, something. It had yeah. to be a throw in because that joint right there didn't make no sense. Yeah, nah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Now, so, and, and the, to sort of go back to what you were talking about, about Kenny G, you know, when you hear Kenny G on a saxophone back in those days, you knew it was mm-hmm. him. Like, and it's like, it's crazy how, like, you can tell who someone is by the way they play an instrument. That was him. Mm-hmm. That was him. My pops was a big Kenny G fan too. So I definitely understand what you're saying about that my highlights 
Uh, obviously, the singles. I mean, you're making me high, which um, was a great, great hit. It was uh, really had sort of a little bit of that hip hop feel to it. Uh, the tempo and the pacing of it, to me, I think is what helped to make it a big hit. The hook and everything. Interestingly enough, she said that she was inspired making that song by doing uh, none other than smoking weed. <laughs> you know, wow. she said she smoked some weed, and that's what helped to inspire her to make this song. And um, the lyrics in this is just crazy, though. Like I was even listening to it back then. I was like. Like, yo, I can't believe Youngers was like 13, 14 years old and Youngers was singing this joint. Uh, you couldn't even sing it that in front of your mother talking about some, you know, the thought of it just makes you want to get undressed. Like, whoa, okay. Well, damn. <laughs> Unbreak My Heart, which is now, without a shadow of a doubt, her signature song. Like, we talk about the song that you know, her standard, the song that we think about when we think about Tony Braxton, which is crazy because she's had a number of different smash hits, but this is the smash hit, Unbreak My Heart, written by Diane Warren. Really is shows the ability, like her vocal ability on this and the range that she has. And with a song that actually was supposed to go to, from what I've read, was supposed to go to Celine Dion and not to Tony Braxton. And that, wow. yeah, and so this was a song that went to Tony Really, when you talk about a power ballad, it's like you talk about the top 10 like contemporary power ballads. That's like right there in the top 10 of power ballads. It's something that um, she really was able to flex her vocal ability on this. It really is a like really the range of emotions that go through when when listening to that song and the music and everything. It's just it's exquisite. That Great video song. though. Yeah, and the video too. The video with the uh, video with, was yeah, yeah, the video. She got the fro yeah, popping off yeah. on stage. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, oh Tony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I commend it, Tony. I commend it. <laughs> exactly. Like give oh, it to let me, me call baby. The box I can again. fix it too. Let me, let, me, let me call the box mm-hmm. again and exactly. order this video again so I can see it again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, Let It Flow was on actually the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. Um, it was a song that they threw on to hear, which was another one of her great songs. That's another one of the signature ones she has, mm-hmm. too. The I Love Me Some Him was another great one, too. Is you know, has that nice little feel to it. But let me give you my sleepers, though. Talking in his sleep. Like, this is a song that Tony wrote herself. That was mm-hmm. an it, it, was, it really was, to me, like a sleeper on this because it was her talking. And her talking about the whole thing about infidelity and you think you know your lover, are you sure? And her voice just though on that was almost like hypnotic, you know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, my goodness. But she she did her thing on that track. Um, I gotta give it to you as well, man. On how could an angel break my heart? That and the, the collaboration here from Kenny G with that saxophone. Really love to hear it. The uh Find Me a Man, even even after that one, I think was a standout too. And the last track mm-hmm. In the late of the night, which which I think to me was almost a perfect way to end this album if you weren't going to end it on a single because it's just a very nice, very mellow track way. It has almost like that signature, like cool, cool, relaxed sort of quiet storm, baby face, like feel to it. How you going to be able to wrap something up? Um, I do have to agree with you in regards to low lights. Um, come on over here to start the album was an interesting choice. It's like I said, I almost forgot that it was on the album completely. And it was I was just like, uh, it had been a while since I think I'd listened to this album from start to finish. And I was just like, oh, sort of like the way you were saying, hey, the beach should choose the right album. And I was just like, did did I? 
make a mistake in this picking this album i don't know <laughs> but then i started i mean i knew the singles but then as i started as you said you start to get into it and right from track two and start going on and there's not really to me too much of a drop off in regards to what you get um i didn't you mm-hmm. know have a, a a bad or good feeling about i don't want to which is written by and produced by r kelly you could tell it's a R. Kelly track, though, because, you know, just like Babyface and L.A. Reid got their sound, R. Kelly got his sound, too, mm-hmm. you know, so, so, uh, but, I mean, it was okay. I don't think it was a low light. I mean, the only low light to me, I think, on here was Come On Over Here, and that was it, mm-hmm. and and it's actually the short, the shortest track of the album, and I'm glad that it's short. It's the shortest one on there, so you get yeah. right into it, but... I mean, the production on here is great by Babyface. Um, the folks that they had singing background vocals on here really complement her voice well. Like you said, folks like Shantae Moore, like Shanice, like Mark Nelson, all those folks singing backgrounds. Um, I mean, the fact that they had strings on here, you had guitars, you had saxophones. I mean, anything you know that Babyface is going to be involved with is going to be very, very musical. I mean, <laughs> the man is a legend in production and for songwriting and everything else. But yeah, that's that's those are my um, my highlights and my lowlights. This album, just to give you some of the like accolades, this album sold eight million records in the U.S. has sold over fifteen million copies worldwide. One, this album won two Grammys. The Grammys that it won uh, were for the best pop vocal recording. And also, I believe it won for best R&B album as well. Um, let me just double check that. Also won, I believe, for the Billboard Music Awards and also for the American Music Awards. This, I think, is her biggest selling album out of her entire catalog. Yes, even more than her debut album. Best pop album at the 97 Grammys. That's what it was. And also best song as well. Best pop song as well in the 97 Grammys. A lot of people sort of like to play the comparison game between this one and the first one. So I would I'll ask you is that if if you had a preference, would you, do you prefer one versus the other, and why? You want to reference which one? The first album? This yeah, album? The, yeah, the first, the first album. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Oh, I have no. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to go with this one because mm-hmm. this is the one that just took her to the next level. The next level, yeah. Yeah. I, I like think she, can't, she got on the scene with the first one. Mm-hmm. The first one is, you know, the, the cover to me always reminded me of Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, right? true. And then, but then this one right here, this is, like you said, this took her to, to that level where ain't too many female artist was yeah. or even got like it's only it might only be mariah and beyonce there mm, for real yeah true other than that that's it mm-hmm. and that's in the last 30 years 30 years yeah man that's that's crazy um if i had a p- opinion my opinion is is that i think that um as i mentioned in the beginning i think that the songs from the first one are the ones that are a little bit sentimental within our community Meaning black folks, um, we the whole thing with seven whole days and breathe again and mm-hmm. you know another sad love song and people will sort of I guess sentimentally will hold on to those because those are the ones we really fondly remember, especially from those of us from our youth. And I agree with that as well. But I think that 
while that one may be more popular amongst folks, I think this is probably the better body of work. Um, mm. it, but I think that the success of the songs on here and the collection of songs on here, I think kind of gives it the edge over the first album. Like you said, this one made her an icon and this one sort of got her from the stratosphere. And when we talk about like you being this being a race, it sort of gave her the separation away from other, some of her peers, you know what I'm saying? Like it got her out of that bunch of all these different R and B girl group girl and female acts that came out in the early nineties to the mid nineties and got her pretty much ahead of them and ahead of the pack because it showed that she had that staying power. And it also showed that she could cross over you know what I'm saying? So it showed mm-hmm. that she could sort of cross over in the music industry. If you can go from R&B to pop, you golden. You know, like there isn't much a limit of anything that you can do if you can cross over in audiences from one section to the other section. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I do think that while the other one probably may be more popular with the fans and we may cling to those a little bit more, I do think that this may actually be the more complete body of work in regards to quality is concerned. You know, so it's not the amount of the singles that you have. It's the quality of everything else, including the album cuts. I think the album cuts is sort of what helps to help us stand apart as well. So so now we're going to get into the final test, the test of time to see what it is. Is this a certified classic, borderline classic, classic just in its time or not a classic at all? So, Damo, what say you? Um, it's certified classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to stand. And then she got the singles that's going to st- Going to stand the test of time. You're always going to hear them singles and female, the females I age range definitely going to be. That's going to be one of their albums that they go to for forever. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. those those smashes or whatever. So to me, I definitely would say it's it's a classic, yeah. bonafide. Yeah. So I'll say it's a certified classic as well too. Um, I think, like you said, it does stand the test of time. The singles from here are it's twenty it's twenty five years after the fact and this either still you're making me high and i'm breaking my heart and even i love me some him and let it flow are still smash singles that we all remember especially people from our generation they're still big big songs they're still songs that we'll be able to reference even 10 years from now in regards to music of our particular generation and i mean the production on here i really think it showed her growth from basically being the um upstart to being a mainstay it really took her from upstart to mainstay to where she was going to be in this thing for a while. She's now had 10 studio albums that's been out. And for, yeah, what happened though? Cause it was like, it was like a, a rise. And then of course we know she did the bankrupt thing. Yeah. She was bankrupt. Whatever, but, not too long after this as a matter of fact, but <laughs> the fall is dramatic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you like you about to be up there, up there with them. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, whoosh, the fall off. Yeah. Well, so I really never understood the fall off. Well, I think they covered a little bit of that and I think they covered a little bit of that in the in the movie and how, you know, cuz like after this joint or after the heat is when she got married to, you know, Carrie from from Mint Condition. From Mint Condition. And they had, had she had a couple of kids and then you know, you know, she also was diagnosed with lupus and you know, and then, you know, the whole other thing as well that she had, uh, you know, her, her son being autistic, her son, by the way, as of this recording, just for graduated from high school, um, her younger son, um, Diesel, and is going to be going to Howard University, which is a triumph, you know, considering mm-hmm. that he was the one that suffered from autism and seems to be doing very, very well. But then, you know, her marriage broke up 
her and her husband were going through some times. And after that is when she sort of got back together with Babyface and they did the duet album, The Love, Marriage and Divorce, which is the one that got her another Grammy. And, you know, sometimes you go through things and then you go away from your formula and you get away from what kind of makes you you. Mm. And then you also go through the triumphs, the fact of having to deal with having a kid and then having a child with autism and having a marriage that seemed to collapse at the end and her dealing with her health issues and then eventually it sort of came back up to where she was able to get back towards that level where she was at one point in time being, you know, where she was in the industry. And it's just, she's not going to ever get back to where she was at that point. But, you know, she was able to still make good music. And um, that's why I think the draw the drop, because there was a lot of different factors that came into play with that. The reason why the drop was so dramatic, you know, yeah. and then. Mm-hmm. You know, you sort of get and you start focusing on other things. You know, music doesn't mm-hmm. become as important to you when you have kids. And now I think that she's like come out with albums. And I think it's because her kids are now both of her kids are now grown now, at least of 18 age 18. And so I think now she's able to focus on music again and sort of get out there and and get back to, you know, to her. You know what I mean? So that's why I think maybe the, the drop was so dramatic is because of all those different factors at play. And I think they touched on some of that in her movie. And she said that in some of her other, uh, you know, some of her other interviews since then. You know, a lot of those things sort of happened. But, you know, she's been through a lot, especially since this, you know, the turn of the millennium with her marriage and then her divorce and, you know, stuff with her kids, her health issues and everything else. So, I mean, I, I'm i happy to see that she's still here. And for those of y'all who saw her Instagram post earlier this year, she still got it. She bought 53 years old and she's still about mm, my mm. goodness. <laughs> I think we mm. might I think mm. we might have to mm. actually start start talking and if you haven't, she has to be put when it comes in, into that that like conversation. She gotta be in the GOAT conversation as far as that. The man. baddies? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, she, yeah. Got, she got to be yeah, in the yeah, GOAT yeah. conversation. Hey, <laughs> Mount Rushmore of baddies, yeah. she is on there. Yeah, she, she got to be in the, she has to be in the GOAT conversation because she's yeah, 53 yeah. years old. Mount Rushmore of baddies, yeah. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she on there for sure. Indeed, yeah. Mm, <laughs> I love me some her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and that is a that is a fitting end to this review. So there y'all have it, man. Tony Braxton Secrets turned to 25 years old this week coming up. Please make sure y'all go check it out, man. Check out her back catalog. Um, those first three albums she put out really were like bangers, all three of them, and and two classics for sure, without a shadow of a doubt. And two of the better albums that came out in the R and B albums that came out in the 90s. So make sure y'all go check that out, on Tony Braxton Secrets. And that's going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you check us out on our hosts on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to the link in any one of our social media pages, you'll get to our link tree that has all of our streaming sources and also all of our social media pages. You can always follow The Vault on Instagram on at Vault CMR Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can search us, The Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. You can also like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, 
motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.